Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by my Thunder Buddy on this Friday morning, Joe Masato. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Michael. Um, if uh, if people haven't read it yet, I just want to tell you that I had a bowl of shrimp stew for breakfast, for breakfast yesterday morning um, out at the Women's College World Series. There's these uh, crazy LSU fans who show up every year. LSU is not even in the tournament, but they show up. And they cook Cajun food, and um, I joined them. This has nothing to do with the Thunder or the NBA, but this is my life update. This is very interesting. Was it too spicy for you? Oh no, no. Now, here's my problem. This is this might get a little too personal, but I'm gonna go ahead. Uh, my body has this strange reaction where I start hiccuping if I have too much spicy food. So. There's no hiccups, which means this was just the right amount of spice. Um, but uh, just a warning to all the Sooner fans listening, because I'm sure there's there's many of you that are also Thunder fans. These are uh, these LSU and SEC folks, they don't mess around with the tailgating scene. So you, you got to get ready. You got to get ready for this SEC move. Definitely got to get ready. But we are here to talk about some basketball. Uh, we're looking oh, yeah. forward to your food blog coming up after this. Where you uh, rate the Cajun food around Oklahoma City, but a <laughs> little bit of unfortunate news for the Thunder, and that is with Alexei Pokashevsky, who had an update uh, with an injury coming out yesterday from Thunder PR, right? Yes. So um, the Thunder announced yesterday that Poku sustained a small right humorous fracture during an offseason workout in Oklahoma City. He will be reevaluated in approximately four to six weeks. So uh, just a bad run of injury luck for for Poku dealing with a broken leg last year, and now he's got a uh, a broken arm, albeit a slight one, if there is uh, such a thing. So I don't know more past that. Um, the key words: he'll be reevaluated in four to six weeks. That doesn't mean he's going to be back full go in four to six weeks. I think at this point, just like a a best case scenario is that he's ready to rock and roll by training camp and and healthy for the start of next season. But probably no summer league for him. Uh, probably no. He did he did he play in Utah last year? I can't even remember. Yeah, they had okay. they had the the dream team of him, uh, Chet, Josh, J Dub, like all these guys who are overqualified to be there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know if we would have seen Poku regardless, but this this probably rules it out. Um. I, I don't remember if he if he made the team or was planning to play for for Serbia in the World Cup. So obviously um, this could hurt those chances as well. But um, we've talked about this a lot. Like Poku's entering the last year of his rookie deal. We still don't know what he is. The Thunder still doesn't know what he is. And these injuries are only making that decision on what to do harder. So um, hopefully he heals up and is ready to go. Um, know by the beginning of september so definitely get well soon poku 
Um, but we'll have updates on that as we get more information. But let's talk about some Western Conference playoff teams, because I think you can learn a little bit from each team as we kind of go through uh, the postseason. So we want to do an exercise where we went through the different Western Conference teams that have been eliminated or made the postseason or the playoffs uh, in particular and thought of any lessons we could learn from them, starting out with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think this is going to be a fun exercise because um, I, I think it could it could be beneficial to learn from, but I think what we're going to find is how different all of these situations are. So yeah. the lesson I would take away if I was the Thunder from the Minnesota Timberwolves is don't uh, don't act out of desperation. Um, now the Timberwolves are in a completely different spot. Hadn't made the playoffs in forever. They're just starved for good basketball. Um, they hire a new GM and Tim Connolly from Denver. Um, they have new ownership that's kind of in that process of taking the reins and everything. And then they make that crazy trade for Rudy Gobert, which seemed like a bad idea at the time. And then by the end of the year, it seems like a horrible idea. Um, you, you shouldn't be making that kind of move. You should be um, putting all your attention on building a team around Anthony Edwards and the timelines uh, just don't don't add up. And then you've got the Carl Towns piece. Um, so it, it it did not work. I mean, sure, they made the playoffs. Everyone's uh, not even everyone's happy about that. I mean, I think it was an unequivocal, unequivocal. Yeah, I think I got that disaster. Um, with some we weird, weird, weird vibes. Obviously, the uh, the Rudy Gobert shove of Kyle Anderson. So that's another lesson. Don't uh, do not assault your teammates. Definitely written that down in my notebook of uh, things to remember. Do not punch Joe. <laughs> but I, I had some, I had something them? similar, and that's um something that Presty's talked about before. You only get to push the button one time, and they made their move. And they did it just out of urgency and just like a panic move. And they sent all their assets uh, for Rudy Gobert. And now they're kind of stuck in limbo with this team. And the only way to get out of it is to trade towns probably or something else drastic. So my biggest takeaway would be for all the people, it's like, well, the Thunder have all these draft picks. Go trade for Mikhail Bridges. Like, just remember, you can only do this one time. And it's your last like kind of a. Uh, card in your back pocket that you can pull so you need to be sure before you make a decision like this i have a i have a number that might blow your mind maybe not maybe not yours as 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 astute as your basketball mind is but here's what i'm talking about as far as timelines anthony edwards just completed his third nba season he was a first-time all-star um sky's the limit you know he's he could be one of the best players in the nba he's pretty close to that right now he is younger than j-dub jalen williams the thunder's rookie is older than anthony edwards yet they made this piece you know or they made this trade bringing in an older piece to to try to win now and it, it's like if your best player it's even you can't even compare Shay to it because Shay's twenty four. Um, it it's just a really, it's just not a smart move. That's yeah. my uh, 
That's my whole takeaway there. I had that as a secondary takeaway is maximize your best player. And it looked like, especially last year and into this year, a little bit too late this year, but Anthony Edwards was becoming the best player on that team. And you made that trade more to maximize Carl Anthony Towns, who I feel like most of the league and people who cover the NBA like ourselves have a lot of questions about Cat. So it just felt like a very, very weird decision, but something hopefully the Thunder can learn from. Yeah, it's basically Cat isn't good enough defensively. We need more rim protection. We're going to to add the best or one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. And it's like, okay, but like, have you considered how clunky that might look offensively? So, um, yeah, moving on from the Timberwolves, who is next on the list? Mr. Martin. The Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> I mean, I'm interested to hear what you say, because there's not a lot to learn from. The, these two teams just operate in different stratospheres. Yeah. I mean, the the big money Clippers luring, um, you know, marquee players via trade via free agency and just every single year it's not about the process it's all about winning and year after year they failed because of availability so um i'm not trying to be cheeky but this might sound cheeky if your star player is not forthcoming with how they feel on a day-to-day basis and your coach does not know when you're star player is going to be in the lineup that's not going to work so uh i guess my takeaway that the thunder could learn from is you know uh shea gilgis alexander and the thunder thunder medical staff and coaching staff being on the same page which they seem to be on the same page but Kawhi leonard and the clippers have not been on the same page and everything has sort of crumbled um after that that's one of them I had. The best ability a player can have is availability. It doesn't matter what type of stats you put up. If you're only playing 12 games a season, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't move the noodle uh, noodle needle. It doesn't move the needle at all. So it's really important for health concerns, and especially when you're building a roster, you can't have just top to bottom a bunch of guys who you're really relying on who can't consistently be out there. Yeah. What What was your... You said that was one of them. Did you have another? The other one was the regular season matters. Not treating the regular season as important bleeds into the postseason. And I feel like they're a prime example of that where it's just like, just wait till we get to the postseason. Like, let's just get this out of the way. We'll survive until then. And I think some of those seeding concerns where then they go up and play against Phoenix really uh, bit them in the butt at the end. Now, that's a really good one Um, because... It might sound trite, but Mark Dignall would be very proud of that answer because it's all about building those habits in the regular season. And it's, I, I mean, you, you can't just flip a switch like that. There's been very, very few examples across NBA history where a team um, can just sort of glide through the regular season and and turn it on. I mean, you have to have such a talent edge and for your talent to actually play. Um for that to even work out but um yeah it's like this the heat's final run has kind of been an interesting test case for how much the regular season does matter because they seem so built and jimmy butler seems so built for the postseason but i think they're kind of hard to to draw upon either because they had like the most injuries in the nba guys were in and out of the lineup and we all know jimmy butler is just a 
he's a different kind of guy, man. He's uh he's built different as they say. So, um, I don't, I don't honestly know what the lesson is there, but, um, I think, I think playing with a similar style and with a similar intensity, um, in the regular season, I think that does carry into the playoffs, especially for a younger team who hasn't been there before. Like they can't just assume they know what it's going to be like. Yeah, and we saw the Thunder play well this season and not really get out of their rhythm when Shea was out for a few games here and there. Mm-hmm. But just imagining having a giant piece like Kawhi Leonard who just gets dropped in, who now all needs all this usage, and then Paul George, and it just completely screws up, I don't know, the, the pecking order for the entire roster of guys who Norman Powell just played his last 20 games as um, your leading scorer, and now he's back to being your sixth man. And it just kind of screws up the whole flow of your team. Yeah, and they have an awesome coach in Tai Lu, but it, you can't just like piece it together with the with the new group. It's like a new puzzle to figure out um, every single night. Now the Thunder does play like sort of erratic rotations that got you know more predictable down the stretch, but basically that's because that's expected. Like every guy's you know knows what the case is. Whereas in LA, it's like I truly don't think they knew night to night which guys were going to be available. Yeah, just dusting off random lineups of uh, uh, Bones Highland. Tonight, you will be playing 30-plus minutes. But R- Robert Covington, welcome back to the NBA. Yeah, welcome back to the NBA. But let's move on to the next team, and that is the uh, the Beam team, the Sacramento Kings. I think the lesson from the old Beam team, first off, shout-out to the Sacramento Kings for being one of the best stories in the NBA this season. Um I think the lesson is you just you need to be more balanced. I mean, I mean, they were just tremendous offensively and pretty putrid defensively. And the Hoop Collective actually just had Mike Brown on. And, and I listened um, to that podcast and he brought up how, you know, he was kind of worried about their toughness and and everything like that. But the playoffs proved to him that there is another level they can reach defensively because they played a lot harder defensively in that series against the Warriors. Um, but I, but his point was you have to establish that in the regular season, they have to come back next year and play with that same sort of mindset, because like we said, it's just hard to turn it on like that. So, um, just more balance and really the thunder is, um, there, they accomplished that last year by, you know, getting out of the bottom of the league, uh, by offensive rating and, and being more league average in that. And, um, I was going to pull up their offensive and defensive ratings now, but uh, I think both were right around league average. Yeah, Mark's ability to have like a top 15-ish defense with no rim protector over the last couple of years has been nothing short of just like magic somehow. I don't know how he does it. The, the guys have been very good on that end, but you know, defense usually starts with a rim protector. But onto the Kings, I had progress is progress. Most of the time, your core... The first time they make the postseason, you're not going to the finals or the conference finals. And there's nothing to be ashamed of when you lose to a better team. Because I thought the Kings, as much as they, you know, they lost in the first round, but they had an incredible showing. Whereas you look at a team like the 76ers who made the second round, who are really upset with their team and have a lot of questions. I think Kings fans should feel very confident in the direction their organization, their team is going. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And it's also a reminder of like, I mean, sure, you can you can predict it, you can want it to happen. Um, but if the Thunder, 
you know, makes the actual playoffs next year and loses a hard fought first round battle. I mean, not knowing what the circumstances are just in my head, I think that would be an excellent outcome with where this team is right now. Um, so yeah, you're not just going to make these huge leaps like, uh, the original version of the thunder did, uh, there, that, that's just a precedent that would be almost impossible to match. But um, going back to the point I made real quick, pulled up the numbers. The Thunder was 16th in offensive rating and 13th in defensive rating. So that's a pretty good sign uh, to to be right around league average, tiny bit below defensively or offensively, tiny bit above um, defensively. Uh, just for reference, the Nuggets were fifth in offensive rating and 15th in defensive rating. So that that would uh that's a little lower than normal. Now their overall net rating isn't what like a typical NBA champion would be. Um in the regular season they actually had the 6th best net rating and the Miami Heat had the 21st best net rating. So just a just a very strange week uh strange year, uh but I would expect that to normalize and um basically the the key for making the finals in the past is you try to have a top 10 offense and you try to have a top 10 defense. And if you accomplish those two things, um, you're going to be really, really good. The Heat are going to be a great trivia answer for a lot of questions down the line of like the only team to not have net rating of this, this, and this to make the finals. It's like, oh, it's that one Heat team. But interesting stuff from the Kings. I also had, you know, I'll put their ownership in a different bucket just because we don't know. But there's a lot you can accomplish as a team whenever you're finally aligned from management, coaching, players down in an organization that the Kings finally looked like they were this year. And I don't feel like it's a mistake or an accident that they had one of their best seasons in a very, very long time. Yeah, it didn't feel fluky. And I think that's what I was kind of worried about with the beginning of this Kings run. Is like, is this legit? And it appears to be legit. One more that just popped into my head. Thinking of the beam team. It's a great lesson to learn, folks. Come up with... It's going to be hard to match the beam. Come up with something that people can rally behind. Um, I, I, There's great people working on the Thunder's in-game operation side. But I will say there's room to improve. We can all improve. And uh, the, the Thunder game night atmosphere, as far as what's played and everything, has... Um, it's been pretty static over the years, so I I, I think there's a I think there's an, another level the Thunder could reach there, and uh, the Beam Lighters out west are a good example. Speaking of improvement and development, the last one I have on the Kings um, is that not every star or young player develops on the same track. So, like De'Aaron Fox last year, I think a lot of people were wondering why didn't the Kings move him instead of Tyrese Halliburton. That was one of those people. And in this season, De'Aaron Fox takes a giant leap and is maximized and was basically a no-brainer as a third-team All-NBA guard. So not all these guys are going to come out of the blocks just racing like Luka Doncic or something. There are other guys like even Giannis, and I'm not comparing, I'm not saying Fox is going to be one of those guys, but Giannis, it took him a couple of years. So wait and be patient with some of these guys to develop because not everyone develops on the same track. Yeah, this was your six for Fox. He was a first-time All-Star. This was your five for SGA. They, uh, you know, both Kentucky point guards. Fox was the higher-ranked recruit. His NBA development has been a little more 
uh, of a roller coaster, albeit like slight dips, not nothing yeah. drastic. Whereas Shay, he he's really done the um, rare thing of like there's year to year improvement, um, and there's different areas of his game where he's taken a step up. So um, that kind of like makes you not want to put a ceiling on his game. But yeah, a good a good lesson to remember. Next one, we have, a, we have a very fun one. The uh, Memphis Grizzlies off the top will say that we will not get involved with any of the John Morant talk, especially after Adam Silver had an announcement that there will be more things to come out after the NBA Finals, right? That was a very ominous announcement, though. Yeah. Uh, I thought that would not be uh, making me feel good as a Grizzlies fan. So, yeah, the, the takeaway from there is to to not have to uh, have that problem. Um on the court, I it's it's tough with them because it's hard to separate how yeah. they played on the court with maybe the distraction that was kind of over this as well. We saw them completely crumple once Stephen Adams went out, and Stephen Adams is a really good player who helps them a lot. But that shouldn't have happened. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. I voted him for Defensive Player of the Year. He's outstanding on that end of the floor, but I can acknowledge that um, he's he's got to be smarter. He's he's got to be smarter defensively um, with the fouls. Dylan Brooks, I think, has got to get in touch with reality. I mean, probably won't be back. Uh, so anyway, but just looking back to to what happened this year, I don't I don't really know what the one takeaway. I mean. Maybe it would be more psychological. Like, it, the Grizz were a fun story, and it's like here are these young guys, like, uh, with this bravado. But maybe, like, maybe hold off on that till you win something. Would that be like a a decent lesson the Thunder could learn? Yeah, in that vein, I had don't bite off more than you can chew, and don't yourself uh, don't set yourself up to fail. I mean, the jaw mm-hmm. stuff. Obviously, we're not going to talk about or touch on, but. He did say, you know, I'm fine in the West. And then um, Dylan Brooks, just like all his bulletin board material, which, you know, sounds corny. But if you put up a high enough volume of stuff like that up and it seems like they were putting up weekly things at some point, it's going to come back and haunt you. And, you know, it's fun to talk uh, talk trash when you're up. But, yeah, everybody kind of piled on them and it felt like it even just weighed down on their team whenever everybody was kind of coming back around and giving them a taste of their own medicine. Yeah, you can't. I, I mean, you can say stuff. You can say whatever you yeah. want, but like, people are gonna remember that. Um, the we, we have a long memory when it comes to trash talking. Like, I, I just can't imagine. I mean, the Grizzlies are in a more advanced stage uh, than the Thunder is in. But like, if Shea said something similar, that would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. Or you know, Lou Dort and Dylan Brooks are very comparable as far as what they do on the floor, but. Dort doesn't do much talking. He just plays and plays hard and um, locks guys up without really reminding them that he does that. So, yeah, I think it's. I would rather. Uh, I would rather like lie in wait, you know, kind of like a like a big cat hunting its prey. Just just uh, ease down in the tall grass a little bit and wait for the right moment. Don't just. Uh, don't just go crazy and sprint out there like you you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Also, just be careful about who you're talking trash to. There are some guys you just go. You don't do that to. And uh, LeBron James yeah. would be one of them. I don't respect anyone until they put 40 on me. It's like, oh, how about the guy who um, has the most points in the history of the game? 
Yeah, I, Dylan Brooks is a clown, but everyone knows that. And he's he's also feeding into that at this point. And one other thing on the Grizzlies that's kind of in the same light is um, culture and maturity not only matter, but are compounded and become more important the deeper you go in the playoffs. Yeah. Another one I would add, um, things can change fast. Like everyone was talking about like how they've built this and um, Taylor Jenkins. Um, I always like compare him to Mark Tignall because they're like the two guys who didn't even play college basketball, which means they're both really smart and and know what they're doing. And, and I think both are um, looked highly upon, but like everything was going right for Memphis. And now suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, like what's their future look like? Everything's going bright for Oklahoma City. You d- you don't want to do anything that jeopardizes that, that makes you think, man, they they really were set up. Now, now look at them. Look what's happened. I mean, we're talking about Memphis and New Orleans being like the class of the West for years to come. Now they both have huge question marks for very different reasons. Um, but if the Thunder just continues going about their business, they could be they could be in that group and, and not have those, you know, injury or off-court concerns or drama that those those two teams I just mentioned have. Let's move on to the second round teams and the reigning NBA champions, the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> you 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 go first. I want to hear this. I want to hear the lessons you can take away from the this Warriors dynasty. Um, well, I'm not going to start out with the uh, obvious punch here, but uh, I'll go with um, you can't always have your cake and eat it too. Two timelines, you just can't yeah. do it. The Thunder have multiple first round picks every year through 2029 other than 2028. At some point, this is way down the line, three or four or five years down from now. You can't continue taking projects and long term developmental players when your team is ready to win now. Understand what your window is and maximize it. Just a couple of mistakes, especially in those like prime picks like the Warriors had, can really shrink your window or close it completely. I mean, they ended up winning a title last year, but there's no question about it. If they had nailed the Kaminga pick and got Wagner or Giddy instead, or if instead of Wiseman, they get uh, Lamelo Ball, I think we're talking about them completely differently. But for them, it just seems like they were trying to um, serve two masters instead of just maximizing the window with one of the 10 greatest players of all time in Steph Curry. Yeah, I hear all that. I agree with everything you just said. But at the same time, it's really hard to argue with anything the Warriors yeah. have done just because they've been so wildly successful. Um, but when little cracks appear, um, you know, we, we can point them out. And I think trying to operate on two timelines was a bad move. I think OKC doesn't even need to learn this lesson because it doesn't happen. Clay Bennett is a very hands-off owner. Joe Lacob is a very hands-on owner. Um Joe Lacob has more money than Clay Bennett. I, I don't think that's uh, going to surprise anyone. Um, and they own their own arena versus the city owning the owner their their arena. So um, the they've got some major cl- cash flow in the Silicon Valley there. So um, it, it's kind of hard to c- to compare. But like you just saw Bob Myers leave. We're going to find out more of the reasons and everything. Bob Myers, the the longtime GM of the Warriors, um, you know he's. It's hard to do your job as a GM if the owner also has their own ideas when it comes to basketball because um, just because you make a a lot of money in whatever your line of work is doesn't make you qualified to be an expert on every single topic like how to p- 
put together a basketball team. So um, I think that's one of the things that allows Sam Presti to thrive in Oklahoma City is that he doesn't have to. I mean, he he runs things by Clay Bennett, uh, the chairman and, and leader of a, of a larger ownership group. It's not just Bennett. Um, but the ownership group here doesn't meddle. And I think they understand how how good Sam is at his job and lets him do his job. Very nice. Yeah. And, and another thing in that same light is um, with their two giant picks that they had at the top of the lottery, they picked guys who just kind of weren't at all what the original team was in terms of high feel basketball IQ guys. So just remembering what got you there. But um, do you have anything on the whole Draymond dynamic of uh, punching Jordan Poole? Uh, I think it was a mistake. <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting how it sort of uh, came out at the end of the year, how like that that still kind of plays a part. Like it, it just, it's so hard to overcome something like that and something that becomes so public. And we're still talking about it because Jordan Poole had such a bad season and, um, you know, Draymond with his future uncertain, like it, it's sort of looming over them as this like symbolic rift between the Warriors. It wasn't so much symbolic if you ask Jordan Poole uh, when the punch hit his face, but um, I don't know. Uh, again, I go back to Rudy Gobert. Don't do not assault your teammates. We are two for two on standing by that approach. Hopefully, we don't have to discuss it. I'm looking at the teams ahead. I don't think we have do, any do other we have team. Any, do, do we have any other bad uh, let's, aggressive? Let's teammates. just hope the Nuggets don't get to that point. <laughs> but um, let's let's go to the Phoenix Suns. And what are your takeaways for um, that team out in Arizona? I struggled with this one honestly because again, they're in such a different spot. Um, you could argue the same ownership thing, like Matt Ishbia comes in, wants this trade to happen. I don't knock the trade at all, though. I would yeah. have made that 100 times out of 100. If you can add Kevin Durant, you give up whatever it takes. I, I hate the argument that some really smart people make that, like, why couldn't they have kept Mikel Bridges? Like, just don't include him in the trade. It's like, they thought of that, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Like, they probably thought, hey, let's do this without Mikel Bridges. Um, the Nets say no. They say no. Kevin Durant's lingering out there. Eventually, you you got to do it. Like, or, or, do you really think they didn't think of that as well? So I just think that's completely ignorant. Um, has nothing to do with what the Thunder can learn from their situation. Um, I think. Um, I think the best thing the Thunder. I think I think Devin Booker is. Um, an interesting parallel because he's a guy that was really just like, it's like it looked like Phoenix is just kind of like squandering his career out there. Um, and then, you know, under terrible ownership, which has since changed new management, new coaching. And then you, you, you kind of build a team around him and you can see how quickly things can turn. Um, I bring that up because, you know, it doesn't happen anymore. But the argument that people said of like, oh, Shea's going to get tired in Oklahoma City or not going to want to be there. It's like, look at Devin Booker. He's been doing this twice as long in in, in Phoenix. Um, but guys want to, they want to be the guy. They want to lead their own team. So um, the Thunder's just on such a different timeline. Like you're not adding these older pieces like 
a Durant, like a Chris Paul, um, to to a team that has a core like like Booker. I mean, the the Thunder are doing it from an opposite standpoint. They're also in you know Phoenix is a pretty glamour market in the NBA. Um, you're you're a very short plane ride from Los Angeles, um, which is a big factor to a lot of these guys, including Chris Paul, whose family lives there. So um, it's it's kind of hard to compare. And I don't even I don't even think I uh, I came away with one takeaway. So you have a go at it, Michael. Depth matters more now than the NBA than it ever has. That is why you're paid the big bucks. Just um, depth. yeah, depth. I think is out there, and you just like you're looking at their roster. It's like, oh, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. Oh, this is really good. DeAndre Aiden, nice. Chris Paul, aging but still solid. And then you look at the rest of their roster, and you're like. Oh, um, it's a uh, Jock Landale. It's a uh, the ghost of Terrence Ross, uh, T.J. Warren, Cameron Payne, and a lot of these guys who are solid players, but they can't be like the backbone of your rotation. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a team like the Nuggets and the Heat, who even the Heat have had all these injuries, but they just have a lot of guys you can throw out there and can survive and can be competent, and they can hold their water and keep the lead or not get in a giant hole. And the Suns, mm-hmm. it was like Devin Booker and Kevin Durant save us or we're dead. Yeah. I I think um, you know, when you get past I mean, when you get past those big it's really a big two at this point because yeah. I mean Aiton just disappeared and and Chris Paul um is just aging. Um but like think of some of the Thunder depth pieces that that could have like actually helped the the Suns. I mean, Kenrich Williams could play for anybody, but just like imagine, like if they had a guy like him that they could rely on, or Isaiah Joe, who like Terrence Ross can bomb threes, but is also willing to fight defensively. Um, so, um, that that is that is a really good one. I was thinking more like big picture standpoint, but as far as like team building and just what you're doing on the court, I think that probably is the. Uh, the biggest thing the Thunder could learn. But another lesson to go along with that is it's a lot harder to have depth if you've got all that star power at the top, just the way the salary cap works. Yeah, and then another thing that I had, this just reminded me of Shea and Josh and those guys, is um, your stars have to get to the line and shoot the three. Shea has no problem getting to the line, obviously. But for the Suns, it felt like it was just all mid-range maestro stuff from Durant, Booker, and Chris Paul. And you can't rely on all your role players. And this is something that kind of compares to the Thunder of, like we mentioned with Isaiah Joe earlier this season, it can't be all reliant on him from three. You need your star players to be productive from three as well. Yeah, I mean, if you've been watching these playoffs, I mean, it's been the story of the Miami Heat. The the team that that's hottest from three is is usually winning. And the Suns have incredible shot makers, but they just play a more antiquated style. And that's something the Thunder's going to have to to look out for. You know, I think Shea's going to have to add a three-point shot to his game. I think they're going to be, you know, have to have more of a diverse shot selection, um, not just relying on Isaiah Joe or, or whoever it may be. So, yep, that's another good one. Let's get on to the conference finals with the L.A. Lakers. What do you have for the Lakers? The Lakers, 
of Los Angeles. Um, you know, d- depth could be another thing here, although I think they they were able to piece things a, a little bit better um, around AD and LeBron. I, I really think the Lakers run was just propelled by the health of AD yeah. and just him him playing like an absolute monster defensively. Um, so, I, I mean, one of the things I would learn from is like, if you've got an interior defensive player like AD, like that alone can win you some playoff series. So um, it just makes me think of Chet and not comparing the two. There's a long, long way to go. But like Anthony Davis was just a dominant shot blocker and defender in college at Kentucky. And he was pretty skinny back then, not as skinny as Chet is now. Um, but you just kind of wonder um, if Chet could play a similar role for the Thunder on that defensive end just because they've been lacking that. Um, but again, it's like it, from a big picture standpoint, don't have a lot just because, you know, the Lakers are another team that is uh, it's like a college football team rebuilding through the transfer portal. They're not trying to like recruit and build from the ground up like the Thunder is They're They have to win now with LeBron, obviously, but um, they've done a good job finding some young pieces like Reeves, like trading for Hachimura, who is a lot better than I expected. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's what I got for the Lakers. I'm with you. Anthony Davis propelled a lot of their kind of turnaround just by being healthy and playing out of his mind. But it's also just about getting hot at the right time. And they had Mm -hmm. all their role players really rolling at the right time. Like you talked about with Reeves, Hachimura coming out of the grave after being in Washington, not really being productive. Lonnie Walker scoring like 14 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, it just Shooter felt like was good for them. Yeah, it just felt like every single time they needed one of those guys off the bench up until the conference finals to step up, they just had one of them playing really well. Yeah, and that that's a good lesson. Even looking back to this latest Thunder run in the play-in, it's like tiny, tiny sample. But uh, just mentioned Isaiah Joe. Didn't shoot it well in those two playing games. They they won one, but lost the second one. Um, and performances from your role players can just they they can change a a game. I mean, you've seen what, what like Caleb Martin. I don't even know if he's a role player anymore. Um, but what he's done for the Heat, Reeves definitely. Lonnie Walker is like the ultimate example. A guy that wasn't even in the rotation, and then he comes in and plays the way he does. So, um, yeah, like I don't want to say that's luck, but it partly is. Like you you just have to. Everything has to align for you to make a deeper run. Yeah, I mean, you just have to get hot at the right time. We've seen teams do this where, um, I mean, the the Mavericks for a couple of years, especially during Dirk's championship year, you just everything's clicking. And sometimes it just feels like you're the team of destiny. Uh, but like the heat yeah, this year. You just need certain things to go your way, whether it's like a Giannis injury or some weird stuff where you get the, the bracket breaks out right for you. So nobody wins a championship, I feel like, on skill alone. You need some luck coming in and out i feel like for most teams unless you're the the warriors in like 2017 where they just kind of mowed through everybody yeah yeah and another one is um speaking of teams like that is with the lakers sometimes you just run into a buzzsaw (laughs) you just run into a team that just says no and the nuggets i mean like we talked about with the kings there's no shame in losing to a team much better than you and i don't really feel like the Lakers lost because it's like, oh, well, they did this wrong or they did that wrong. The Nuggets are just a better team. And sometimes mm-hmm. that happens. 
Yeah. And um, if we want to talk about the Nuggets now and, and things yeah, let's like go for it. You, you can learn from, I think of all the teams we've discussed, this is the one that most closely parallels the Thunder. Obviously different players, but but building a young core organically. Um, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. Um, you know, all draft picks of the Nuggets, all all sort of groomed there. Um, Shea, obviously not a draft pick, but everything except his rookie season in Oklahoma City, and then adding Giddy, and then adding J-Dub. And, you know, I, I would say the Thunder has a head start as far as, like, uh, I don't want to say a more talented no, I'm not going to say more talented, but they've had like more bites at the apple the way they've um, s- sort of built this. Whereas the Nuggets, I mean, if you've got a two-time MVP and probably the best player in the world right now, like that's like the ultimate prize. It doesn't matter how uh, how often you're you're right on like middling draft picks or whatever they may be. I mean, that's why they're in this spot. Um, but they've also like nurtured that over time by surrounding him with the right pieces. Like the Aaron Gordon trade was phenomenal. You've seen how the role players just like fit in perfectly. Contavious Caldwell Pope, Bruce Brown. Um, I, I think that's the thing to learn from. It's like, once you have the guy, their guy is Jokic. The Thunder's guy is SGA. Um, barring something unforeseen, SGA is not going to reach Jokic's level of impact. Um, but you have to have a star and then you have to surround the star with pieces that have been playing with them for a while, some continuity in both roster, coaching staff, management, um, and then um, surround them with the right role players. It's a lot, but that's what it takes to to be a really good team. Yeah, yeah. not everybody can do it, but I had con- uh, continuity matters just like you had. Uh, this Nuggets team has been together for a while. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., um, Jamal Murray, Jokic. This is maybe their fourth, maybe fifth playoff series together yeah. or f- playoff season together. And then you have the thing where Michael Malone and Jokic are just in lockstep, just going back and forth. And it reminded me of Shea saying in his um, end of season presser where he said, you know, I feel like Mark is the perfect coach for me. And that stuff matters. And then also um, battle scars are good to have. This isn't a team like we mentioned with the Kings that just like, First round, all of a sudden they're in the finals. Like they've taken their lumps and they've really learned from a lot of those experiences, whether it was like losing to Portland or losing to Phoenix. Um, they came back from two different 3 1 deficits in the bubble, then lost to the Lakers, and they weren't a team that got shaken from it. They learned yeah, from dealing those with Jamal Murray's injury. Yeah. And I had something similar with that too is um, they didn't panic or make a huge trade or a rash decision those two seasons that were sort of lost with injury with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter out, and you could even include Jeremy Grant leaving, it would have been very easy to go, we have the MVP, we have a back-to-back MVP, we need to be doing something. We can't just waste these years. We need to make a trade. We need to get Jamal Murray, even if it's for a downgrade, we need somebody who at least plays, but they, testament to them, were very patient. It looks like it's paying off for them right now. Yeah, and also like your number one guy wanting to be there from from everything Shea has said, he's happy in Oklahoma City, and that's what small markets need to have is like uh, to win is is to to hold on to your to your best players and and keep building it organically because um, 
the mountains are pretty and everything like that, but Denver is not luring free agents that want to play um, with Jokic. I mean, not like the the A-list guys, not like superstars around the league demanding. No one's demanding a trade to Denver, okay? Um, no one's going to demand a trade to Oklahoma City. So um, I think if the Denver Nuggets win the NBA title, um, much like the Bucks, um, a couple of years ago, it's a really good sign for Oklahoma City that it can be done in a small market, then it can be done with these cornerstone guys like a Giannis, like Jokic. Again, those two guys have won MVPs, um, but Shea being the Thunder's version of that. Um, it's a it's a big win for small markets across the league. I also like the idea that um, I think it's important the Thunder you need to learn from is being able to run your offense through your two best players in a two-man game is one of the best weapons possible. Mm-hmm. And two, can your two best players play off each other? Because this Jokic-Murray uh, pick-and-roll has been the story of the playoffs as an unstoppable force. When the Warriors got uncomfortable, they went to Steph Draymond, uh, the Lakers, LeBron, and AD. The Celtics kind of got in a funk because they couldn't do that with Tatum and Brown. So I think it's very important whether you think it's Shea and Chet, Shea and Giddy, Shea and J-Dub, that those guys be able to play off each other at a very high level. Yeah, ideally it would be Shea and Chet, but when you were saying that, I was like, we don't even know who the Thunder's best two players are. I think there are three different answers at this point. Um, you named them Chet, J-Dub, Giddy. Um, heck, it could end up being whoever they draft at 12 or uh, or higher if they move up in this draft. Um, you, you just don't know. We still haven't even seen Chet yet. So, um, but, but yeah, that's... the. That's a good one. I, you know, the Nuggets have gone about this the quote unquote right way, if there is a right way. And um, it would kind of nice to see them being rewarded for that. And the last one I have is um, home court matters with a quote unquote for certain teams. Uh, not every Are you team. You're going to say the Thunder needs to like build a man made mountain or something to increase the elevation. That is exactly here. what I'm saying. I think that we need to have like an <laughs> evil villain uh, layer base and we need to put the stadium on top of Devon Tower and just have all types of like put the teams, their locker room is just like on the edge and there's glass underneath. So they're all very nervous. Yeah. No, I how think about home- you just have like electric. Thunderbolts, you know how like that Thunder logo gets like supercharged or mm-hmm. whatever. I don't even know if it's real or how that works or how what science is, whatever. But if you could have just like actual Thunderbolts coming down from the Raptors, just like striking the opponents, um, and just be like, ah, I don't know how this is happening. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, maybe that would help the Thunder. Put a tornado siren in their locker room. I think that would work. A tornado siren would be a really good, although maybe it would invoke fear to the to the people in the arena but that would be a good like light the beam adjacent Mm -hmm. rallying cry i like it off yeah i want full credit for that if anyone is listening from the uh thunder who's gonna take a tornado siren just why why not why not have a tornado siren storm's coming folks the storm is coming yeah exactly we're trying to prep all of you but um home court matters for certain teams just to say that like um not only Denver for the elevation but their teams with like high energy crowds like the Celtics that matter Philadelphia the Warriors the Lakers and I think it matters for the Thunder because they have been a great home court team um during the regular season and especially during the playoffs where we've seen Thunder 
fans and Thunder home crowds just really um, impact the game. So I think that they are a team that it would um, be good for them to get home court because there are certain teams like the Clippers and the Wolves. I just don't see as like a super rabid fan base that can impact a game with noise. But I think the Thunder fans, maybe you can call me a homer on this. I think that they are one of the louder ones whenever they're they're getting after it. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of the the whiteouts, the blackouts, the blueouts, the we haven't seen an orange out, I don't think, in Oklahoma City, but I would be all for it. We're over the bedlam ridiculousness. Just do it. Um, I think that gets everyone fired up. Oklahoma City is not one of those places that is too cool for people to put on the shirt. So um I'm with you. It definitely does matter. Um but like, you know, if you get to this point and you don't have a good home crowd, then like what are you really doing? So um but especially in like those earlier rounds to to really make them feel your presence. Yeah, I really wish we did get a play in game in Oklahoma City, but um hopefully next year we're getting a play in game at home or playoffs at least two games at home. Q tornado siren. Q tornado siren, yeah. Um and then just like it has the opposite effect, everyone just evacuates the arena because they're scared and it's like Shay's looking around like what the hell's going on. That was always one of my favorite things at OU is whenever the um Saturday morning uh tornado Noon. sirens yeah. would go on and we're sitting in the cafeteria and all these students from out of state are freaking out and you could tell who's from Oklahoma because they're just like, It's noon. I'm just gonna keep eating yeah. lunch here. Just go about your day, man. This is normal. Well, do you have anything else going on that you need to plug before you get out of here, Joe? I know you've been very busy, not just eating uh, shrimp in the morning. Well, that's mainly what I've been busy with. But um, yeah, it's kind of uh, all hands on deck for us right now with the the annual Women's College World Series and OU and OSU both in that. But uh, we're still rolling out draft content, uh, prospect previews, breaking them down by kind of player type. So we've had a couple of those come out. Um, had the uh, had the Santa Clara story come out on Brandon Pitzimski. So, um, a little mix of draft coverage, a little mix of softball coverage, and a and a whole lot of shrimp stew did coming you your see, way, folks. Did you see that J Dub's going to be at the finals as like one of the media correspondents? I did. I don't know. Do we know what that means or what his job is going to entail? I saw Benedict Matherin before game one doing interviews with players before the game like he was in our spot. He just went up and took the microphone, started asking questions, which uh, Jamal Murray clowned him for. But who knows? I think J-Dub could find a second career. He's coming after our jobs, man. Just keep doing your thing on the court. Leave the leave the questions to us. Stay in your lane. Yeah, I don't try to go out on the court and do what you do. So stay over there. Yeah. Yeah, it's up to us to create the content, not you, buddy. Yeah, you can play and do. I don't really believe things. this, guys. I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want anyone to think I'm the old man uh, on his lawn. Get off my lawn, but old man shouting get at off clouds. my lawn, Jalen. Yeah. Well, and then we had the last thing here. Um, Jalen Williams from Auburn has decided to go back to school. I know that was a big deal for everybody. Thank God. Yes, I am so happy that Jalen Williams of Auburn is going back uh we had a uh in the press uh box yesterday at the softball stadium we actually had this conversation that what if he transferred to arkansas spelled the same as arkansas jalen williams and we could call him Ar- arburn saw you like that 
not a fan. It, it, it is. Yeah. I am going to um, go with the tinfoil hat conspiracy that he went back to school to go in the 2024 draft where the Thunder have four first round picks. Yeah, the Thunder has already promised a 2024 draft pick to Jalen Williams. That That's called playing the long game right there. The Thunder pr- uh, promised to Victor Wembanyama back in 2005, whenever he was like four years old, like we will pick you. Yeah, I'll quit if they draft Jalen another Jalen Williams just because um, my mental health matters. <laughs> well, anyways, we're going to give you a mental health break after this. We're going to get out of here. But thank you, Joe, for coming on with me. Uh, definitely follow up with all his coverage, whether it's shrimp, whether it's the uh, Women's College World Series of softball, whether it's some draft coverage. Joe's got it going on. Make sure to tune in with that. And make sure to tune in to another episode of the Thunder Buddies. We'll be back next week for more takeaways. We'll do the Eastern Conference, and then we'll get back into some more draft coverage with some guys. I want to dive deep into some guys later in the second round because I know we focus more on the first round, but it should be a lot of fun. So make sure to rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Follow us at Thunderbud Pod on Twitter, and we'll be back again for more NBA and Thunder coverage on Tuesday. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.